Welcome back, everyone. We have such a fun episode for you today. Tazanim, what are we going to talk about? Okay. We are going to talk about language and womanhood and self-definition. We are definitely talking about Savage Ooh. and the remix of it. Okay. I think we like Megan the Stallion's version, but when she brought a little Beyonce in there, yes. I think it just took it to another level, don't you? I do, I do. Hips tick tock when I dance. Yes. On that demon time, she might start her OnlyFans. Big B and that B stand for bands. If you want to see some real, baby, here's your chance. I say. So we often talk about how language is used in our work. We also talk about how it is redefined and how one word can take on thousands of different meanings and also the power of certain people people to take a word, mm-hmm. flip it on its head, and turn something that might have been used to malign you into something that celebrates you. Uh, and so this idea of savage, right? right? Like We have little kids talking about, I'm a savage. Okay. So I thought it'd be interesting to see what the good Google says savage means. Since we kind of have an impression from Megan the Stallion and Beyonce, here's what I have. Okay. Ferocious. Hmm. Fierce, wild, untamed, undomesticated, feral, predatory, brutal. Did I say vicious already? Predatory. Yeah. Yeah. Vicious. Yes. So that's what, according to Oxford Languages Dictionary, as provided to us by Google, says savage means, but I know... That Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce are giving us a different idea of what savage means and even suggesting that we might be walking around savages and don't know it. Right. And maybe owning we need your savage. Owning your savage. Okay, so Andrea, tell me, you, you, your turn. When Megan Thee Stallion and Beyonce talk about savage, what are some of the words they give? What are some of the adjectives to help us understand what a savage 2020 version is? Okay, so actually lyrics from the song? Sure. All right, so if we look at the lyrics from the song, It says, I'm a savage, classy, bougie, ratchet, Mm -hmm. sassy, moody, nasty, acting stupid. What's happening? What's happening? I'm a savage. Yeah. Nice. I know. Right. We're both smiling. I know. I I know. I, I think I think our listeners will understand where we fall on this idea of identity and claiming language and who has the authority to place certain labels and identifiers on women yeah because right? yeah. that's what we we're talking about today right. now okay i have to tell you the truth when i first heard the song it didn't come to me independently my daughters of course um which i have four biological and one bonus so five young ladies they introduced me to the song savage i'm sure tiktok had something to do with it i'm sure being home because of the pandemic gave us a lot of time to sort of play around with it before you knew it we were recording a tiktok savage dance that got super popular over the summer. I listened to the lyrics and we were high-fiving. So when the girls brought the lyrics to you, what was your first response, Tessie? My first response was, I love how this artist is using so many adjectives to describe womanhood. That she almost said, you might see me as ratchet, bougie, all these things. And thank you. And I, I love that. Like, I always talk to one of my daughters. She'll talk about someone trying to insult her. And I say, you know, just turn it around. Thank you. <laughs> like, oh, you have a big forehead. Thank you. Big forehead, big brain. <laughs> and love so it. I think it's some, that language does that. Oh, she's savage. She's ferocious. I sure am. Yeah. 
back up. Right. 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 And so like those definitely she's wild. I sure am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> she's untamed. And so she's saying I am beyond definition. Mm-hmm. I'm outside of your box. I am. And I put myself there. And I'm putting myself there and I am giving myself this new identity. And I'm calling out all those things that you may call me or I may call myself, but this is how I see myself. And is there anything wrong with that? I think it's beautiful. I do. I have to say, I wasn't raised to see it as beautiful. I did not grow up in a time where this idea of women or little girls being considered ferocious or wild or untamed or undomesticated. Feral? Right. What? No. So let's talk about those legacies of identifiers in womanhood Mm -hmm. as we were growing up. Yeah, definitely. Truth be told, right? My mother used to call girls like this, these ferocious predatory girls, she used to call them hot girls. Mm. And so if we wore jeans that were too tight, me and my two sisters, or anything too tight, actually, (laughs) anything revealing, and certainly anything that looked at all like something Megan Thee Stallion or Beyonce might wear in a video. Uh, my mother would say, Mm-mm-mm. you're not going out of the house looking like one of those hot girls. girls. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> that was it. We couldn't look like a hot girl. Um, Did you ever think, Mom, what is a hot girl? I didn't have to. Like, okay. it, the implication was there. So right? this idea that we also gave identities to what we deemed, even as black women or just as women, of, of what was an other, right? That went against mainstream or convention mm-hmm. that told us, or it just heritage or legacy, mm-hmm. that what told us that this is what a woman or a young girl or a girl is to be yes. and how she is to act. Right. Do you know how many times I grew up hearing young ladies are supposed to be seen and not what? Heard. And not heard. And so how have generations and homes across the country how many black girl voices were silenced just muted because we were supposed to be seen but according to what you're saying your mom said not seen with certain clothes on yes we didn't get our voices silenced necessarily right every generation kind of elevates and the, the messaging gets evolved a little bit it was definitely about how we presented ourselves to the eye so that if you dressed a certain way mm. and then acted a certain way, too, you know, the, the other term is fast. Mm-hmm. Well, she's fast. Yeah, I have such a problem with this idea of acting. Right? And I remember how I took that into the classroom and, and would hear educators say he's acting or she's acting. Acting what? Acting what? Being a normal child, being a normal girl who's exploring what womanhood she's getting ready to go into. So who were the fast girls or the hot girls, as your mom said? The hot girls might walk around chewing gum real loud. (laughs) They wore tight jeans. (laughs) They ran in packs. So when it says they're untamed and feral, they're like wolves. Uh, So that just couldn't be sisterhood. No, no. no. (laughs) Fast girls got into trouble. Fast girls were in, in school suspension. Fast girls talked back to the teachers Fast girls showed their navels. <laughs> How dare you? A midriff shirt? Yes. Okay. okay. I'm having I'm having a problem talking about it in a loud voice. Right. <laughs> I think you are having some type of flashback right now. <laughs> You're taking me back. They wore big earrings. Mm. They did things to draw attention to themselves. 
and that made them hot as in a stove <laughs> as in snatch your hand back as in stay away from it as in she gonna burn you oh my gosh yeah. and so was this messaging just coming from the women in your family or was this a collective just anyone over the age like any elder right what were the the men in your family saying and what were your brothers saying Mm-mm. so I, I, my family is quite matriarchal so I think the men just kind of nodded like yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for sure all these aunts and these moms and friends of moms and grandmothers they all are good girls and so you know you want to be like them and you know you had that sort of a, a broader cultural conditioning sure. then you also had the conditioning of our Islamic home which says a woman is to be brilliant based on her brain, not her body. Mm-hmm. So that compartmentalizes who you are in terms of your sexuality, in terms of inhabiting a body. So you don't want to show that body. It is in some ways beautifully dangerous. So it needs to be reserved for certain situations and certain eyes and certain gazes. So publicly, we shroud it. We cloak mm-hmm. it. And so a hot girl doesn't, though. She out there wild. She mm. wilding. Mm. What about for you? I mean, Florida to me, Florida is hot. I mean, it's hot. I mean, every navel. I've seen every navel. I'm just, okay. You gasped, Tasneem. Were, were you allowed to show your navel? Come on, Tasneem. I don't want to answer that question right now. If I was allowed? You mean, was I allowed or did I show my navel? Did your mother let you leave the house in a crop top? It was South Florida, Tasneem. Everybody had a crop top and a muscle shirt. I'll make a muscle shirt out of anything now. I mean, really, Mm. come on. My mother was pretty young. And but hear me now when I say that there still was that young ladies are supposed to be seen and not heard. Mm. Seen, you know, she can be ordained. I mean, she can be made up. You know, she could have on all of the makeup. She could, you know, before Mac was a thing, we were glamoured. We had our eyebrows and our eyelashes fierce, even before it was a thing. So she was supposed to be seen, but not heard. But quiet. Right? And so this idea that her voice was more of a, a threat than actually her showing her navel. That's what I perceive. Now, I mean, this is me remembering X amount of years ago, right? And so this idea of what was a good girl and a fast girl. And I, I really want to look at that good girl, right? And so... What did that do for us? What did that do for you? If we are hearing the elders in our family and our parents and our moms and our grandmothers and our aunts saying that a good girl is this, that goes against. What about if I wanted to be or do something different that wasn't defined by these parameters of what a good girl was? Right. So, for instance, good girls didn't climb fences. Right. And good girls didn't go shoot basketball with all the boys on the court because she was being fast and she was trying to catch that boy. Forget the fact that she might just have an amazing crossover. I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it. I'm just throwing it out there. Just Tess. in case. Just in case just anybody case. wanted to know, just, yeah. right? Just in case. Yeah. I mean, and so what if she just, you know, then she's either fast or a tomboy. So then we have this idea of, wait a minute, that's a little bit too masculine. That is not what good girls, good clean girls, good good girls do because that then becomes a threat. And I've always wondered, a threat to whom? A threat to convention. Yeah. A threat to all the conditioning. Like you said, good clean girls. It made me yeah. think of good girls don't have dirt under their nails. Yeah. Good girls don't have ashy knees. Good girls don't have marks on their legs. 
wow. I know. Because they're not outside playing. That's correct. Good girls, you don't see a good girl's knees. She has knees? Yes, she does have (laughs) knees and calves and ankles and toes and and all that other stuff. Good girls don't wear mini skirts, Andrea. What? No. Who lied to you? (laughs) (laughs) That skirt wasn't touching the ground. It wasn't a skirt. That's a lie. (laughs) And then I would have had a mini skirt packed in my backpack going to school then, if that's the case. I mean, because this idea that we have somehow over time created this idea of of who gets to define um, womanhood, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that is what's so powerful about Megan Thee Stallion or Beyonce or, you know, anyone else. I was in conversation with a friend and the friend was saying that, why do women now have to emulate Cardi B? Or why do they have to want to act like Megan Thee Stallion? Like, why can't they just be good girls Mm -hmm. like First Lady Michelle Obama? Or why can't they just be good girls like this person? And and I thought, wait a minute. I mean, you don't get to decide what's a good girl. Yeah. And then who's not to say that? I mean, and and I had challenged a person. I was like, so you don't think the former First Lady knows the lyrics to Savage? She talks about knowing the lyrics to Savage and, and every other song and talked about it with her girls. But somehow convention and tradition has told us that this is what a good girl must do. Convention to tradition, patriarchy, ah, supremacy, supremacy. Let's 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 call it out there. Yeah, it is. I have to say, it's effective. Of course, it works. It does, and it leaves us feeling like we have to choose. Right. So I'm either Michelle Obama or. I'm making this stallion. Because God forbid I couldn't be a lawyer who knows how to twerk. Wow. I mean, I'm just asking a the twerking question. twerking attorney. What about it? <laughs> she probably get more cases. Ah! <laughs> she just might. She just might. Like, so challenging all of these things that are supposed to be opposites, I think it's fascinating. It is right. what I'm hoping to instill in my children That's that exactly not right. only is it an exercise in investigation what if I'm both a scholar right yes. and I twerk yeah right what if I enjoy cooking a suggestion of domestication great and I'm also a civil engineer correct hmm. right great. traditionally a male role kind of thing what if I get to play around with all these I ride a skateboard and I have a I have amazing Cardi B nails right So what if I get to sort of combine all these things as a matter of self-examination, but also because what if they're all in me? What if I'm drawn to a bikini and I love to rock a long soil grazing skirt? That's and and what's wrong with that? What if I have J's and stilettos in my closet? And I think you do. Correct. And do. Okay. I was going to say, I know you've got some red things in your closet. I've seen them. And, like and lots that. of J's. Yes, I lo- well, yeah. just yes. That's my goal I, because there's a part of me that is in all these things, and I think it's similar to our conversations about race. Identity is the same thing. I get to feel and be who I am when I feel and when I decide to be it. Right. That there's not this box that I have to slip into, right. but it's effective. It is because a lot of us are sitting here thinking, "This is my role model woman. Mm-hmm. I want to be like fill in the blank." Mm-hmm. Because we've elevated certain characteristics over other characteristics, right? We've elevated scholarship over creativity. And so you have an artist who is against convention in her creativity, but we've elevated someone who only is an academic, right? Not that a person who's an academic couldn't be a creative as well, because she is. We've elevated words like uh, 
Brilliant. Brilliant. Over, over beautiful. Over beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You can't be both. Why? Why? Oh, jeez. Yes. Yes. And so we have bought into this. We have allowed. I don't know. So who's the blame for it, Tasney? Like, and where does it stop? You talked about this idea of what you're trying to do for your girls. When did you stop subscribing to the convention that history, society, mainstream, patriarchy, and supremacy told you who you were as a black woman? When did you stop subscribing to that? There was something just in my own, um, the aging process, right, when your brain starts to choose different definitions and you find yourself drawn to things and willing to move towards what you're drawn to despite all the voices saying uh-uh, she's a bad girl mm-hmm. she's hot so I started turning my head towards the women who seem to be so self-defined they seem to walk with their own sense of power they had their own stride you know their chins were up their yes. backs were firm I was drawn to those kinds of women spent more time with those kinds of women and began to become engaged in conversations about how they pursued a path of self-definition. That began to open my eyes. Am I going to raise my children, my daughters, to fall into the same boxes that confined me? I had examples around me that said, no, no, blow that box up. And so I began to sort of started to question even my own instincts and habits and then started to change my own instincts. I'm still, I'm still definitely walking that path now, but even professionally, Andrea, you and I, have brought the conversation into the spaces that we occupy, into the library. We've um, been able to bring the conversation and examination of womanhood right here. We have. Before there was a savage. Before there was a savage. Before there was a a WAP. Before there was a WAP. Before there was this idea of of confining Mm -hmm. and and placing one identifier on on That's right. Or they. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were doing that. We were doing we did it and it was beautiful. It was beautiful. May two thousand nineteen? Yeah, yeah. How? Even before then, but let's talk about May two thousand nineteen. May two thousand nineteen. Friends, go to YouTube, type in how to catch a flying woman. I'm womanhood is something dog dank, nasty, dirty, funky, and powerful in a way that means it must be changed, shut down, and controlled. Push to the inner recesses of our psyche to the point where we as women are not really sure that women actually exist. Oof. Beautiful show. Yeah. Beautiful. I think the word show might be too small. It's really the result of amazing journal entries and essays and poetry written by Cynthia Harris, co-produced by Actress Bridge Ensemble. And I have a piece in there and Ola Omi Akalatunde has several pieces in there. The premise being, how do you catch a woman who is seeking ascension based on her own definition of herself and her own life experiences? Do you want to catch her? Do you catch her? Can you catch Can her? Can you catch her? Can you catch Who's her? Who's trying to catch her? Yeah. Who doesn't want her to just fly? And who will try to stop her while she's in flight? Yes. All those questions answered in that beautiful production. So when we think about this idea of the good girl and the, the the idea that it in some ways is an entrapment, it's limiting. It is limiting. And that if we are to be bound for the sky, right? If we're made for flight. Made to be boundless. Made to be boundless. Right? We talked in a previous episode of how we are operating out of excellence. And does that excellence not intersect with who we are as women? It's not just confined to blackness. 
this this idea. So now we've got gender identity. Now, yeah. It also, what happens when we allow a woman to take flight? When did you start to contemplate flight? Oh, I think that's part two. Ooh, I okay. saved that for the part two we'll of our episode. Well, we do want you all, guests, friends, listeners, to think about this good girl identity. We're interested in your comments and your reflections on what defined a good girl for you. What continues to define it? Do you even use those absolutes? Good girl, bad girl, hot girl. What are the girl? messages that we're giving to the people that we mentor or our students or our children or our nieces, or our nephews or the people that we are providing public programs for? Yeah. Right? What are the messaging and the branding that we're using? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your comments and then to share them. Andrea, if someone ever said, truth be told, is savage. Would you take it as a compliment? I would say, okay. <laughs> We're fierce. We're undomesticated. Okay. Wow. This has been a great conversation. This has been a great. I think we're going to walk a little differently oh, after, after hearing some Wait till part two comes. Part two. Right. Thank you for listening. We certainly hope that you go to our prompt. What's a good girl? Who is she? Once again, this is Truth Be Told.